Really cool. Hey, everyone. Uh, welcome tonight. If I haven't met you before, my name is Tim. Um, we're just going to share a message now for about the next half an hour or so. And we've been in a series on rest. Um, so I hope you've been having some good sleeps and days off and having a break. Some people have been saying that. I think it's been good. They're like, Tim said I'm allowed to break. <laughs> it's good. So we've been doing that. We're actually going to finish that next week. Um, tonight is kind of just a gap in the sort of messages. Um, this morning we had a youth service, just spoke on thankfulness, and we had the brigades and stuff like that. That's up on, that'll be up on the podcast if you want to listen to that. Um, but yeah, we kind of had a gap tonight. And I was going to just reuse something um, from last year that we haven't done at the night service, but then this message kind of just came together. It's kind of along the same idea of rest and some of the themes we've been looking at, but it's kind of a bit of a tangent um, and, and looking at it in a little bit of a different angle. So I kind of just go with it. I've called it the long game. It'll probably become pretty clear what that means um, as we go through. And this, this kind of ended up being based on a couple of verses that have just been really speaking to me a lot recently. Um, but I don't know about you, um, but for most of my life, and probably still at the moment, I'm probably more of a quantity guy than a quality guy. Like I would rather buy like a $2, 4 litre tub of ice cream than like a 5 or $7, 1 litre like really good ice cream. And I think since being married to Tam, I kind of changed a bit because she likes good quality stuff. Whereas I just buy like cheap stuff that you can get lots of it. Um, but in kind of in a lot of ways, that I'm kind of a lot like that. Like I like stuff quick and fast and I just kind of want to, want to do the most amount of work in the least amount of time, like be really efficient um, kind of look for the thing that will be the quick fix, short term, like that'll just make everything good. Um, and I think a lot of people are kind of like that. Like we have microwaves now and like we're kind of used to that. Like that's kind of what life is kind of like. Um, and there's this game that is it's not very good if you like that called chess, <laughs> where, where chess actually kind of requires a lot more patience and perseverance and not really short term, but more long term thinking. I was actually playing the other day with Brendan and um, and we're playing this game down in Gophers, and um, I was winning. Like, if I, if I had a good advantage, and I just had to finish it. And I, in my mind, I'm just like, this is fine. Like, I'm going to win this game. This is going to be easy. Like, I've just got to land it and get the checkmate. And I just kept trying, and I just tried something, and it, like, didn't work. And I'll try something again, and it didn't work. And I, in my mind, I'm just like, it should just be easy. I should just go to do it now. And it just didn't work, and I kind of just got a bit sloppy. Whereas Brendan played the long game, <laughs> and he just took his time and just kept going and kept going. Eventually, got a slight advantage and ended up winning. And it was like, I should have won that game, <laughs> but, but you won, and it was awesome. And it was like, chess does not work if you have short-term, short game. You're kind of reacting. You just want it to happen now. Kind of thinking, it doesn't work. <laughs> you lose, even when you have an advantage. If you start thinking like that, but if you play the long game, if you're patient, if you wait, if you if you take advantage of the opportunities when you're there. That, that's the way to win. But in a lot of ways, that, that's quite hard. Like, I kind of have to focus to do that. To, to just want the quick fix, easy solution is more natural. Kind of normally want things just to happen quickly and, and fast and efficiently. And again, it's kind of in life, like, we can go on, if you have a problem, like, we just Google it. <laughs> and we find, like, a life hack. Or it's like a cheat code in a game. It's like, just do this thing and then everything will be fine. It'll, just, it'll be the one solution that will just fix everything. And we can kind of think like that in lots of areas of life, whether it's work, whether it's just personal problems, whether it's relationships, whether it's even with God, um, with church, maybe with ministry when we're trying to help other people. Sometimes they can just be, we just want to say the one thing that will just fix the, fix the problem. We just want to fix the situation. 
We just want to change the thing. We just want to see a shift and we want to see it now. And we're sort of thinking about things that are visible, often things that are impressive, often things that are fast, and we want them to happen now. That's kind of often the kind of focus that is easy to have. Um, it's particularly easy to have that, that as, a, as a ministry leader um, in, in a church setting. It's probably easy to have that in other areas as well, even as a teacher wanting to see results with the kids. Um, and maybe, maybe even learning and studying at uni, you want, want improvement now, you want to be able to understand it now, but it just, it just seems to take time. You want it sort of quick, um, short term. You want to have the, the, the impressive results now without having to do the long-term work to get there. It's kind of, that's kind of the dream. Like, the best stuff with the least amount of work possible, um, especially for millennials. I think that's like everyone's dream. Like, like, let's just get the thing so we never have to work again and we have all this money. Like, and, and that's kind of often the way to think. But it's interesting because it's not really how Jesus lived. Um, it's not really the way that he thought or acted even though he had opportunity to act that way. We talked about this last week in the idea that Jesus had very quick, impressive results. Large crowds of people following him. Fame spread all over the place, finding out who this man is. Mass opportunity. But it's interesting that this is like this short-term, impressive, like quantitative, lots of numbers for Jesus, but he's not really that interested in it. We looked at that last week and, and this verse that says, early in the morning, it was still dark. Jesus got up, left the house and went off to a solitary place. There's all these crowds, but he's trying to get by himself to pray. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Like everyone wants to see Jesus. Jesus has all this opportunity, all these people searching out for him, but he's intentionally trying to go away and be by himself. He's trying to get away from the crowds. And it's even interesting, when, when the disciples come, everyone's looking for you. Well, we're like, like, where are you? Jesus' response is, let us go somewhere else. <laughs> There's all these people, now nah, we're going to go somewhere else, to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is why I have come. Jesus could have been drawn into this like short-term, like impressive fame, results, like numbers, like it was all these crowds, there's all this opportunity, but Jesus is, no, like I know why I'm here. I have a purpose, and it's, and it's not that. And it's actually a more hidden purpose that people won't actually see until I finish. But it's, it's the long game. It's, and it's not that Jesus doesn't care about the crowds. It's that he cares about them and knows that what they really need is not just to come and get the stuff that they want from him, but he, for him to actually fulfill his purpose. Alan Fadling says it this way, The crowds were not following him for transformation, but for benefits. Their motivation was far more outward than inward. And their excitement about Jesus would only last as long as he gave them what they wanted. Jesus even pretty much straight up said this to crowds sometimes. He said, like, you're only here because you want food, <laughs> and I can give you food. And then he would almost intentionally offend the crowds. He'd say, you need to eat my body and drink my blood. He's almost being provocative to actually not to, to try and shift the crowds to stop coming to him for what they want and recognize who he is and decide to come for who he is and what he has for them. He says this, if Jesus had wanted to, he could have gathered tens of thousands of people around him with little effort. He could have drawn huge, even bigger crowds. No one was a more engaging speaker. No one else had the miraculous abilities that Jesus had. But he did not appear interested in gathering a crowd. He focused instead of developing a small circle of devoted apprentices. Jesus didn't invest time and energy into crowds. Like the, the crowds came, 
But that, that wasn't his focus. And, and multiple times we see there's good reason for that. That there's these, these, these like impressive results, all these people, but it can like flip in a moment. That the, these people all of a sudden are offended by Jesus and they leave. Like they're, 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 the crowd is fickle. They're not, they're not reliable. So Jesus invests himself into these 12 and, and others for, for deep life change, to teach them to follow him. Alan Fadling, this guy says that this, this uh, he says, despite Jesus' example, I find it a continual temptation to do things that will get a lot of people excited about what I'm doing and get them excited now. Like it's easy to just want, want impressive results, people to see you, people to be impressed now. Short term, quick fix, want it now. Even though I'm well aware of the fickle nature of a crowd, it's far harder to persevere in the long-term work of developing a few followers who will grow in their allegiance to Jesus. Like Jesus had this, this impressive results, but he just suppose that's not my focus. My focus is dwelling, guiding and growing this small group to real deep life change. And he knows that actually that has the potential to change the world. That is actually what will be the, be the best for the crowds even. It's not that he doesn't love them. It's that he knows what's needed is deep inner change that will bring life. And it's interesting because when Jesus talks about, about his kingdom and his work, he doesn't use like analogies of things that are fast and quick and just build something and it just comes up today. Like he uses analogies and metaphors that are, that are more natural growth, like agricultural plants, trees, farmers, seeds. And the way he talks is that, that seeds are sown and, and some fall in good soil and they grow and they bear fruit. And he talks about the kingdom and the kingdom being like a really small seed that starts small, but it just grows slowly bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, that, that it takes time, but there's, that there is growth and there is change. God, he, he, he uses the, more sort of this sort of language, not like, like the artificial, quick, impressive language, but the deep, like life-giving, healthy, natural growth kind of language. And in some ways, we're not used to that in a lot of ways because we're probably not farmers. And the idea of having to, unless you're Freddie, like, <laughs> like, you're not used to like having to sow seeds and just wait and, and play the long game and just nurture it and see it grow over time. We're used to just pressing a button, then we have it now. But actually, Jesus talks more like this. And there's this really interesting verse in, in Isaiah that um, describes this sort of change. It's in Isaiah 61. The start of the chapter of Isaiah 61 is actually a prophecy about the Messiah. And Jesus reads it out when he starts his ministry. You might have heard it. It's about how Jesus is anointed to preach good news to the poor, to, to set free the captives, to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim good news. It's about him coming to save the lost and the broken and to rescue those who are in slavery. But then it keeps going. There's a few really interesting things. But then it comes to this. And this is talking about these broken people that the Messiah will rescue and that eventually they will be called oaks of righteousness. This is a picture of a strong tree that's been transformed deeply and now has strength and stability, starting off poor, broken, insecure, to strong oak of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. And then it talks about these people who have been transformed. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. This is really interesting because it starts talking about this natural, deep 
growth and stability and strength. Then it shifts to building and transformation of culture and, and, and ruins and devastation. So we're going to look through this, this verse, this idea of being called an oak of righteousness. I think it's such a cool picture. And Jesus' vision is actually not just that we come to him and just believe in him and we're forgiven, but that we're actually deeply transformed at a heart level so that our roots go down deep. We have this strength and stability that we could be called an oak of righteousness, a strong tree of goodness. Then this, this picture, again, is this sort of plant, agricultural, natural growth. And you think about an oak or, or a strong, big tree, like there's some even around the property here. Like, like that takes time. Like that takes a while to grow. Like that, that doesn't just shoot up overnight. But when it grows and over time it builds and it spreads, there's this strong stability and, 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 and transformation that's so powerful. And, um, and again, this is not, as I'm talking tonight, we're focusing on the long game. This is not at all saying that God doesn't just transform things fast and doesn't move really fast at times. But that in general, this picture is more that it's long, slow growth over time. There's this um, chapter in one of Mark Say's books, and he talks about watching a um, documentary um, just like a nature documentary, like a David Attenborough documentary. And it's like in a forest kind of jungle, like really, really thick. So like so much so that the sunlight doesn't even get in. It's just the canopy of trees just fully block everything out. And there's a time-lapse video. And in it, the, a tree basically collapses. And once the tree's collapsed, um, the light can come in. There's this open canopy and light shines in. And it's really interesting, he says, when you watch the time-lapse and see what happens. Because what happens is, very quickly, these like large leafy green plants start to sprout and they, they come up really fast because they can absorb the sunlight and they, they sort of just rock it up. And then quickly as well, these sort of really thin trees start sort of shooting up and they're, they're all kind of racing to fill the gap, to kind of get in the gap of the canopy and sort of be able to take the sunlight. And these, these thin trees start shooting up and then he says, but then eventually vines and start to wrap around them and, and so much so that the vines basically block out these thin trees and you can't even see the trees anymore. And he said after a while, nothing kind of happens. It kind of just, that sort of stays how it is for a while. But then all of a sudden, a stronger tree starts to emerge, which has a thicker trunk and it starts to all of a sudden grow with quite, quite a lot of speed. And it's just got this string, strong trunk, kind of similar to the other ones around it. And it starts to shoot up and it goes way past the other thin trees and it just boosts its way all the way to the canopy. So it didn't happen for a while, but when it comes, it, it's this stronger, wider, thicker stability. And he talks about this and he says, this, this huge tree wins the race by doing something counterintuitive. While the others fight for space, air and light, it goes underground. While the others head upward, Pushing through the surface, it goes deep. While the others pursue visibility at the expense of stability, the tree remains underground, hidden, building powerful roots. These, these first ones, they're just kind of short-term, quick, let's, let's go, like let's get the sunlight. But this, this tree goes down deep. It plays a long game. It says the deep underground foundations grown by the tree, ensure that it's connected to deep and unseen sources of water, nutrients, and life. Once these are secured, growth can then happen. The tree is willing to lose the initial battles in order to win the war. The tree plays the long game. It goes deep 
roots down into the soil. So it's positioned to grow and actually shoot up with this strength that will last. Um, and, and it's such a powerful picture of this idea of being an oak of righteousness. It's this picture of actually deep transformation because of deep roots into God that actually shifts us and changes us. But it requires not just being focused on, firstly, the, the external sort of results, but it requires actually being willing to do the hidden, deep work with God that can lead to lasting change. Again, Alan Fadling says this about this idea of being oaks of righteousness. He says, when we first begin to follow Jesus, we have not yet become oaks of righteousness. We are more like the poor, brokenhearted, and captive people Isaiah described. So this passage starts with poor, broken people. And that's, that's how we come to Jesus. We're, we're sinful, we're broken, and we're anxious, we're afraid, we're guilty. He comes, he forgives us, he heals us. But he says, but Jesus intends to transform us dramatically. He wants us to come to reflect the beauty, goodness, and rootedness of an oak tree. He's planted us. He will tend us. He will do what it takes to deepen and strengthen our roots in him. Actually, that's God's vision, to take the poor, the weak, and to bring deep transformation to make them strong, rooted in him, full of goodness and life that brings life to others. So in this, this sort of first idea is to play the long game of deep inward transformation. Sometimes as we follow Jesus, we just want to see things happen now in our own lives. But, but actually, often God will do a hidden work. He'll do a work in hiddenness where other people don't see it. Maybe it doesn't even look like anything's happening. Maybe it just feels like struggle and pain. But actually, God is using that season to, to do deep work, deep roots into Him. That He'll use all sorts of things to make that happen. And then one day we might see that all of a sudden this sort of strong tree all of a sudden starts to emerge and is actually the fruit of what's been going on under the surface the whole time. But actually, if we just focus on the fruit and we just focus on the quick, we may not be positioned or, or embracing this work, this long game of deep inward change that he wants to do. And it's this idea of being planted in him that this verse says they'll be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. That's such a cool picture, this idea that God is planting people. God, God plants. And it's also that they're, that they're planted in Him. It's this picture of being an oak tree that's been established by God and is planted in Him and doesn't exist for itself, but exists to display His splendor, exists to display His glory. And, and again, the sort of quick fix, short-term, short game is, is often actually about making us feel good. We want to see it results. We want others to see something in our lives and in our, in, our, in our work. We want to look successful. But actually, to play the long game, to actually be planted in God and let Him do a deep work can actually reflect His glory and actually show that He's doing something in our hearts and in our lives. This picture, this idea of being planted in Him is actually a really biblical image as well that, that comes up again and again. The first Psalm, Psalm 1, it talks about this person who lives their life um, dwelling and meditating on God's, God's word, his laws. And it describes this person like this. This person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. 
It's this picture of the person who's dwelt in God and in his word. They're, that's what they're planted in. So it doesn't really matter what the season is around them. It doesn't really matter what the circumstances around them because what their roots are in is in God. And that doesn't change. He's consistent. So no matter the surroundings, there's this fruit and there's this life. There's also this description in Jeremiah. Again, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in the year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. This, this picture is describing someone whose confidence is in God. It's like if your confidence is in God, you're planted and rooted in Him. And if that's the case, then no matter what the circumstances are, there's a constant source and supply of life and fruitfulness and growth. And again, it's, it's for Him, for His glory and His splendor. So the second point tonight is play the long game of abiding in Him. Again, this is, this is more about positioning ourselves so that He can work in and through us. Whereas sometimes the temptation is to just make it happen in our own strength. We want to see a change in our lives, in someone else, in a workplace, in a church, in the society. And we just think if we just go hard enough, it'll happen. But again, that short game, quick fix, rather than playing the long game, actually our job is to abide in Him. It's actually to remain in Him, to be connected to Him. And again, this is this language of plants and and. Um, this natural sort of growth. Jesus uses this language of a vine. Um, he says it in John 15, I'm the vine and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Again, it's this picture of, of not focusing on the fruit. Like the, he doesn't say to just really try hard to make fruit. <laughs> uh, he says, abide in me. And that means we're connected to the life source. And the life source grows and goes out of the branches and produces fruit. It's not through focusing and really trying to stir up some fruit. <laughs> it's through positioning and abiding and being connected to the life source that then he brings life and, and he brings fruitfulness. And that actually anything that's kind of worked up is just artificial. It's like you see some fruit and it turns out to just be like the plastic kind of fruit that people make. It's, it's not real. It's artificial. But if it's connected to him, it can actually be this life-giving, um, this, this, this fruit of his spirit that he brings about. So the second is to play the long game, abiding in him. That, that might mean um, perseverance and patience and confidence in him. Even when things look difficult, when things look hard, that actually means putting your confidence and trust in him. So this, 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 this first bit that we looked at is that they'll be called oaks of righteousness, a deep transformation, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. But then, then um, Isaiah writing this starts talking about what these people will do, these transformed people planted in God, says they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations that God will use the people that he rescues and transforms to bring healing and life to the world, particularly to places that have been devastated and ruined even for generations. And that is, again, not something that's just like, you just go and do that tomorrow, like quick. It's, it's, not, it's not fast. Um, maybe initially it doesn't even look impressive. It might be a long work of rebuilding. 
but actually can lead to deep foundational change that has lasting significance for another generation and other generations. So this is, Mark says again, talking about this. He says, we as followers of the Messiah Jesus, living within the time of his kingdom rule, must now take up the mantle of being rebuilders. We face a cultural landscape, inner private worlds, devastated and depleted by the pursuit of unlimited autonomy. This pursuit has seen churches and believers disappear. He's talking about the, the culture, and, and, and we live in an increasingly just individualistic society. And in a lot of ways, it's kind of the idol of, of the culture, or the, sort of the narrative of the culture. And it's actually led to devastation. It actually has devastated people's inner lives through being disconnected, um, through being isolated. It's disconnected institutions and, and, and um, structures in culture that actually lead to life and flourishing. There's actually, if you look at our Western culture in Australia, there's actually a lot of devastation. Um, there's a lot of problems. And even in maybe just our communities, in Kalanga, even in our church, or even maybe in our own lives, <laughs> we say, actually, there's, there's devastation. Like, there's problems. He says, thus we need to again to be, rebuild the devastated places and structures of our culture. We need to breathe commitment, responsibility, and dedication back into our faith and our churches. It's actually taking up the, the mantle or the posture of a rebuilder. Actually says we, God is going to work through his people to renew and to restore cultures, places that are being devastated for generations. He actually wants to do that work, but it's this deep work. Again, it, take, it, take, it requires this posture of faith, of commitment, of stability. Actually, we're going we're gonna, to gonna just go with God and we're going to do this work that needs to be done. And it might take a long time. It might require perseverance. It might require um, suffering and difficulty. But actually, he's going to work. He's going to do it. And actually, that's what God does. His heart is to work through um, the poor in spirit, the, the mourners, those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, they're the people that he's going to use to rebuild and to transform the world. And actually, this, this requires, again, not looking just for quick fix, short-term solutions. That'll just, this is the one thing that will fix everything. And again, not, not saying God can't move powerfully at times, but that actually a lot of the posture needs to be, actually, we're going to play the long game of, of just being faithful to God where he's called us and actually working for the, the rebuilding, the restoration of a community, of a city, of a nation, and actually play the long game in that way. Richard Foster says this, the desperate need for people today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but deep people. This is people who go deep with God, who are willing to, to journey for decades with Him, to be faithful to Him, to, to be steadfast with Him, maybe in hiddenness when other people don't see Maybe it doesn't look impressive. Maybe people won't find out about it even, but actually it can lead, lead to deep, lasting change. So this is kind of my point for tonight, is keep calm and play the long game. The temptation that we often feel, I think probably most of us feel, is to, is to just look for the quick, easy routes. What's going to be fast? What's going to provide the most in the least amount of work? But actually to shift and to pick up and to embrace that actually God wants to do deep work in my heart. God wants to work in us and have us abide and go deep in Him. And He wants to use us to bring significant, lasting change that will, that will, that will um, do deep work that will last. Not quick, not just like draw a crowd that's like great, but then like 
uh, two years later, it's like, what happened? Didn't result in anything. But like deep, lasting, significant change that will, that will keep going. That, and then actually, that's Jesus' heart. We see that in his, that he didn't just focus on these, these sort of big crowds opportunities, but he decided to invest in the few. But it's actually them that they became, they, these followers of Jesus were like this, they're pretty weak, kind of fearful guys, kind of just confused. But Jesus works with them. He plays the long game. And then all of a sudden, they're transformed into these pillars of strength who then go out into all the world and bring transformation. That's why we're here today. Like, like that, that's the strategy that he used, this long game that actually leads to lasting change. And so as we sort of think through that, I suppose tonight's kind of like, a, uh, like we've been talking about rest. This is kind of almost a bit talking about pace and, and, and what sort of pace, what kind of focus, what kind of posture do we take? And we're saying that to actually play the long game of deep inward transformation, to go on the journey with God of letting him push deep roots into him in our hearts, that we develop this strength that we could be called oaks of righteousness, to play the long game of abiding in him, actually being planted in him and being on display for his glory in whatever situation, whatever context we're in, that we're there to, for his glory. And that comes through abiding in him and resting in him. And there's this, there's this life and this energy that can come no matter the circumstances, no matter what's going on, that actually because we're rooted and grounded in him. And to play the long game of rebuilding, of actually seeing that there's deep need and there's a need for deep people who commit, who stay the course, who seek God, who are faithful to him and bring lasting change in places that have been ruined and devastated for generations. And that actually he, that, that, that he calls us to that. And that actually like, we might sort of say, well, now nah, maybe it's somebody else. <laughs> But like, maybe it's us. Like that God actually has a call on our community here. God has a call on your life. And it's actually something that he wants you to, to grow in and actually do a work of rebuilding and renewing. And he's actually called us to that. And it's not like, oh no, that's just someone else's job. It's like we're here for this time and this place to actually be faithful to him and actually to, to seek him and do the work that he's called us to do. So keep calm, play the long game. Just a question as we finish to think through. What would we prefer? Short-term impressive, but also short-lasting results in our own strengths. Maybe think about a situation in your life, maybe even now. Um, maybe you've even felt it like, yeah, I just want this fixed now. Like, <laughs> like I just want to have things better now. Um, and again, that's not a bad desire, but maybe the temptation is just to play the quick fix, superficial, make it better, and make it look good. Maybe there's a situation. What would you prefer? Short term, it happens quick. It's impressive, but it's also short lasting results. And it's in our own strengths. And it kind of ends up being mostly about us and what we want to satisfy ourselves. Or slower, long term, but lasting significant change and growth by God's power and for his glory. Maybe a situation that's going to require perseverance and patience. It's not as fast as we want, but actually over time can lead to lasting, significant change. Maybe it's even someone that you're working with and mentoring or you're, you're discipling or just caring for. And again, it's kind of just want to fix, like just want it better now. What, what, what about to just go slow with them 
and to work with them and see God's work in them? What would it look like for them to really have deep, lasting, significant change that happens by God's power for God's glory and what that could actually impact in other people's lives? But actually that requires playing the long game, that not, not just the quick, but going the slow as well. This is a question just to, to think through tonight. And I found that so encouraging, even for me, this, this week, because I think that there's, again, like we've been talking about with rest, to rest is countercultural. There's a pressure to be busy. I was talking to, to my brother-in-law about this the other day. He, he said um, he wasn't very busy. And someone said, are you busy? And he's like, no. Like, and someone's like really confused. Like, like how are you not busy? Like, and, and maybe it's the same with this. It's like, there's pressure to have short-term quick fix results now. Like if you're not doing something that's leading to results now, you're doing something wrong. And there's a pressure there. But actually, we don't have to feel that pressure. Actually, that's not the way that God often works. Actually, He calls us just to go slow, be faithful to Him, let Him do a deep work, and actually let's just take the pressure off and seek Him and let Him work. And again, there's times to go fast. There's times where God's just like, do this now, let's go. Like, it's not saying everything's slow, but that actually that, that sort of anxious drivenness that we feel is often this pressure, whereas we can actually let that go and just play the long game with him, do the deep work with him, abide in him, and looked and worked for deep, significant change. So let's, and so let, let's, as, as we finish off tonight, this is interesting as well that this, this verse that we just looked at in Isaiah 61, just before it, it talks about joy. And Jesus, when he talks about abiding in him and following him, he talks about joy may be full. And again, we, I think we have this picture in some ways that like, if we just get the good results, we'll have joy. But actually, the, the, the abiding in God and just being faithful and putting confidence in him is actually the way to joy. This is not saying like, oh, I'm just going to have to wait so long to be happy. Like, <laughs> it's like, actually, no, now there's joy in God when we actually say, oh, it's not on us, our confidence is in Him, it takes the pressure off and there's actually a lightness and a joy. And in, in, just before about the Oaks of Righteousness in Isaiah 61, it says this, and provide for those who grieve in Zion and bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. So this, this people that Isaiah is describing are people who are poor, broken, prisoned, who have been set free who've now been given oil of joy, garments of praise, who are now transformed into oaks of righteousness, who are planted in the Lord, who then go out to rebuild and renew where there's been devastation for generations. And it keeps going on, but this is like the deep, significant, lasting change work that he wants to do. And, it's, and, it, and, and maybe it takes time, but it's worth it. And, and what other option is there but to trust and follow him? And again, Jesus has said that to his followers when that when we talked about before there's a crowds coming for food and Jesus Jesus says he's almost trying to be provocative he wants them to to come for him not for the food so he says unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood you have no life and he's 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 challenging them in John 6 and then it says a lot of the crowds leave like people kind of like okay well we're not interested and then then Jesus even looks at his followers and says well do you want to leave as well like like and his followers say well where else are we going to go? No one else has the words of eternal life but you. And they say, well, we just want to follow you, Jesus. Like, whatever you want, your way, you're the only one. 
there's no other option really. It's just to keep going with you and trust you. If everyone else leaves, it doesn't matter. You're the only way. And maybe it's the same for us. You might want something now, but actually the only option is to trust him and follow him and do whatever he wants in whatever that situation is, to be planted in him and faithful to him. So let's keep calm, play the long game, and abide in him and rest in him. So we're going to take communion and then, then sing to respond. And we just, we've just got one up the front here. Um, there's some offering bags there if you'd like to give. Um, and just as we respond, maybe, maybe there's a need to, in a sense, um, repent, which means change our mind. And maybe say, Jesus, I've just been thinking like short term, I just want to fix now. And I just want to come back. And I just want to think your way. I just want to dwell and abide in you. And whatever your will is in this season, would you bear fruit for your glory? Maybe it's just a need to actually just, on those two issues, change our mind. And maybe that actually, like just verbalizing that to God and actually expressing that can actually lead to heart change as well. So as we take communion, I just encourage you to do business with God. Um, come to him and, and let's, let's seek this work that he wants to do in us. So let's, let's all pray and then, then we can come up um, and respond when you're ready. Yeah, Holy Spirit, we just ask that you would meet us tonight. Um, yeah, we just ask, Father, for eyes to see our lives, um, even our cultural context, our moment in history, even, Lord, the way that you see it. Um, Jesus, would you even give us vision for our lives and the, this kind of transformation that you want to bring about and what's possible in you? Um, God, where our vision has been too small, would you enlarge it? Um, give us your imagination that you may want to change and transform and use us for things that we would never, ever imagine that you would do. Um, so Jesus, where our thinking has been small and narrow, um, would you change it and shift it and broaden it to what you want to do? Uh, we just pray that, God, for us individually, and we just pray that for us as a church. Jesus, as, as Rivers Church, would we be deep-rooted in you? Would we be a place, God, that brings restoration to our culture and to our community where there's been devastation? Would you work powerfully in and through us by your Spirit? And will we be planted here for your name and for your glory? Uh, just have your way and do your will, whatever you want to do in and through us. So yeah, Holy Spirit, just move in our hearts tonight.